command and feedback is our episode today. I am Alpha Mike, and you are listening to episode 264. We've got a lot on the agenda in such short time. You might have heard the term command and control, but law enforcement desperately needs to get rid of that control aspect and rename it command and feedback. It's a proven product, and we will discuss it today lot of information. How to get in contact with us? Real easy, RaiderCop.com. You can hear all our episodes from number one to 264 and beyond. And RaiderCopNation.com, our official website, where you can find out more information, upcoming shows, who the co-hosts are, do I have a mustache, and does Kilo Sierra parties here in the middle. If you are in the southern New Jersey area, Philadelphia, and you're looking for good quality gun training, Kilo Sierra is your man. His information is down on the bottom of the show notes. South Florida. This is a geographical thing. We need to pay attention. South Florida. Remember, Florida, way down south, peninsula, South Florida. If you're looking for good gun training, I know who you need to call, and that's AAAGunSafety.com. Alpha Alpha came out, recently had an episode with us. Fantastic interview. Can't wait to have more of those coming your way soon enough. So in the Miami, Broward County area, AAA, I'm going to spell that out for the leftists, A-A-A, GunSafety.com. And if you're in the Central Florida area, West Coast, and you're looking for good quality gun training as well, you can drop me a line at the official website, RaiderCopNation.com. And where it says contact, go ahead and hit me up. And if I can't do it, I will find you that good instructor. And lastly, if you're having problems, if you're pulling your hair out, If you're just fed up with trying to buy a new gun because you just can't find them and you finally come to terms with the fact that you need to upgrade your gun, make that bad boy look brand new. I know the guy you need to go see. Pistol Pete the gunsmith down in Miami was the armorer to thousands and thousands of law enforcement officers, including yours truly. My life lied in Pistol Pete's hands and I was in good hands. You can be in those same good hands by calling Pistol Pete the gunsmith. He will tell you, I'm not in the Miami area. No problem. Pistol Pete will explain how you can send your beloved gun. He will take good care of it. He will nurture it, baby it. He will make it new. Pamper it beyond recognition and send it to you, and you'll love me for it forever and ever. You'll see. Today's episode, episode 264, we're talking about command and feedback. We got a lot to unpack, but we got to call the dispatcher because our crazy uncle at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, again, is acting bipolar and crazy. So let's get started. Good news this episode series. We've only got two things to talk about, Uncle Joe. 
two, but the second one will go on forever. So here we go. Living in the Bolshevik states of woke. Tasha called the servants of the mental with her bipolar uncle. Our uh, uh, first story takes us to Uncle Joe's town hall meeting he recently had. And it was another train wreck. Uncle Joe babbled. He stiffened up. He put his arms together and he made fists look like he was about to blast off or he was constipated one or the other and the Americans looked in horror as saying wait wait hold on he's in charge it was a train wreck you know we keep on saying it you wouldn't think that the the next one would be worse than the first one but this it is Yep, he he won it again. He won the prize. Our second story takes us to fact-checking the first story and Uncle Joe's town hall. The press took on the task of trying to catch all of Uncle Joe's boo-boos as he just went on and on and on talking gibberish. So let's break some of those down. Number one, he misquoted Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia. And he basically said things that Joe Manchin never really said. He took those quotes out of context. Maybe not because he was drooling and belligerent in that way, but I think this was more of a political, astute Uncle Babbling Joe. Second, he said a boo-boo about OPEC controlling the gas prices. And that's another, eh, they got him on that one. New unemployment records, he babbled on that one too, Caming up, coming on with pants on fire. But what we can tell you that back in September of 2019, the unemployment rate was 3.5. And this past September in 2021, it is at 4.8, under Uncle Joe's delirious mind. His fourth uh, boo-boo was talking about Taiwan when the reporter had asked him, would be would the United States protect Taiwan in case of an invasion by China? And Uncle Joe babbled something, yeah, we have an obligation, referring to the Taiwanese Relation Act, which basically makes no reference to any defense uh, of Taiwan. But Uncle Joe doesn't matter, he just makes it up as he goes along. He said, yes, we're obligated. That's not in the agreement he was talking about. Number five, the border, of course, totally out of control. But Uncle Joe said, you know, I I go, you know, I'm really busy. You know, I was there once. But nobody can find any real hard evidence of Uncle Joe ever being at the border. But... 
turn back red, his press secretary said that Uncle Joe was there on a campaign trail when he ran for president in 2008. He drove by. You can't make it up, folks, but he did. He did it. Uh, the press was quick to mention that since Uncle Joe says he's so busy and he can't go to the southern border, that this is his 14th weekend since August that he has spent in Wilmington, Delaware, doing absolutely nothing. And three weeks of those have been in Camp David doing nothing. But he's busy, he says. So, too bad. Part-time president, what do you want from me? And he also did a little fibbing on uh, the tax heights, talking about, you know, the, the rich pay their fair share and all that babbling, and he's just babbling and babbling. But uh, the current rate is 37%. He had mentioned 35 He didn't get that one right. And, of course, he did a lot of fibbing on COVID-19 and on issues of mandatory and children and the list goes on and on and on. Uncle Joe is totally out of control. We have posted some of those uh, news articles down in the show notes so you can review them because I'm just so tired of Uncle Joe. I don't even want to do this segment anymore. But it's time to move your feet, get into the salsa, get into the good motions of a good mood because I'm about to tell you a funny joke. Here we go. I told my doctor that I broke my arm in two places. He told me, stop going to those two places. All right, well, you never broke your arm before and you want to get mad at me. Today's episode, 264, Command and Feedback, we will explore what this is all about, how we can revolutionize law enforcement because the old adage of command and control is not up to standards today. Has anybody ever done a command and feedback? We'll talk about that as we wait for the clowns to try to figure out, is it the right thumb or the left thumb? Which one was inserted where? This could be complicated, but any second now, the horn will blast away, and we will set into, and there we go. We're ready to go. Episode 264, Command and Feedback. Ever since Moses wore shorts, law enforcement agencies have had command and control. This is basically the command staff of any law enforcement agency that will control a major incident. And basically, 
it's the command staff gathering the information in real time as the incident is unfolding and they make decisions on how to correct it. So it's a system that has been used ever since I said Moses wore shorts. Some agencies do it very well, some not too good, and some should just stop immediately. But today we're going to talk about command and feedback. But before we get into the specifics on how to do that, you'll get that at the end of the episode. Not so easy. You're not going to get away from me that easy. But I'm going to build you up into who needs to be on that team. Who needs to be on the committee of command and feedback? So when we look at leadership, we need to find the definition of leadership, but most importantly, we need to say what leadership equals. Leadership equals competency, not incompetency. So that's the first thing. The leadership has to be competent. In order to be competent, you need to be trained. Training will leap you forward even if the policy is vague or doesn't exist in that incident. The agency also should educate their staff. Well, what's the difference between training and educating? Training is showing you a specific task or element or procedure that the agency has or wants you to do. Educating you is bringing you up to a more higher intellectual standard of competence, which deals with leadership. Are we following so far? So the education part, law enforcement really sucks at. Now, sometimes they have this, hey, you can go to college too and we'll pay X amount and blah, 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 and you can even get credits for on-the-job experience and all that. But the educational aspect has to be a little bit more narrow, a little little bit more specific towards the day-to-day operations and what you might be called for. Not uh, some general terminology that... Out of 100% of what you learn, maybe 2 maybe 1% of it you might use in a command and feedback system. So it should be educated specific, building you up in the organization. The organization should reward people based on their behavior, right? Good organization, behaving good organization should be giving out those merits and rewarding, building their confidence levels. What you stand for is very important and what you will not tolerate is even more important. So who am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about the leaders. It's plural, that's more than one if you're a leftist. So that means that anybody that's in a leadership role in a command and feedback situation, 
They are a leader. They have to know for what they stand for and what they will not tolerate. That becomes a standard. That standard should be somewhat similar across the board. Are we following so far? Protect your mavericks. What in the world's a maverick? Well, a maverick is, remember the old episode we did uh, about a month, a month and a half ago, the squad leader. Those are your mavericks, those people that do the the day-to-day operations seamlessly. You never have to worry. Once they are on a scene, everybody feels a lot more confident that they're there because they know, opposed to the leadership might not know. So your mavericks are important, and you need to protect your mavericks from the sharks. We'll explain that as we start compressing and putting the committee together on command and feedback. Don't resent problems. Don't look at problems as, but it's a problem. The problem is an educational tool for all your leaders to perfect their skills. It's a window of opportunity. Used to have a director in my agency that used to say, when people would say, uh, sir, can I speak to you a second? Uh, we have a problem. And he said, there's no such thing as a problem. Everything is in window of opportunity. He was right. So it's important not to react or resent or hate problems. Problems make your team a lot better. Decentralized decision-making down to the lowest capable level. Apparently, and mostly this is happening in corporate America, but people actually believe the higher you go, the more exact that decision will be. And none of that could be further from the truth. Imagine something so detailed that if you don't work on the operational level, you might not really know the ins and outs of that decision. But you've been an excessive coffee drinker over at headquarters with a rank for so long, uh, your body change and your hair color is different now. So back when you might have worked patrol or operation, things might have been a little different. So you want to decentralize that decision-making to the lowest capable level. The boots on the ground probably know the best solution. Define the problem. I've gone to meetings where the command staff has sat around They mentioned one thing, and before you know it, you've gone around the planet with problems, and you're lost. You're like, okay, is this problem seven or eight? Because I'm lost now. Define the problem and everybody's understanding of the problem. Reward initiative and aggressiveness. Those people that you don't have to... Uh, tell them what to do. They have the initiative of going forward 
as the issues come towards them and they're aggressive in those tactics. They're not whimpering. They're not thinking about it. Let me see. What does the policy say? Maybe we should call before we make a decision. No. They go and they do it. So they have initiative and they're aggressive. That needs to be on the team and rewarded. As a leader, know when to apply your analysis. In other words, when to stick your nose in the business. A lot of times, the force that's out there knows the objective. They've kind of understood what you want them to do. They might not know some small little specific issues. So you've got to sometimes let it play out. Not that they're wrong, but they're mastering how to get this done. Don't worry, it all come together. Just keep writing stuff down. Don't permit your passion for excellence to destroy the compassion for your subordinates. You will roll over everybody because you want things done. So you're going to yell, scream, and carry on because you're the leader and you'll just poop all over the subordinate. The subordinate is probably the most important piece of the puzzle. So you want to have compassion. You want to be a coach. You want to show them how it might get done. They need to be in place. A coach prepares the player before the game, not during the game. All right, keep on writing it down. Crayons, you know the drill. Cardboard boxes. Let's go. If you don't promote your values, someone else will promote theirs. As a leader, you need to tell those subordinates under you your values, what you will tolerate and what you won't tolerate, what you expect from your troops. And if you fail to do it or you don't do it or you don't do a good job in doing it, someone else in the totem pole will do it for you or do their own and throw everybody off. So it's important. Three types of information will flow into your command and feedback, and that's housekeeping, things that you might need to tighten up, decision-making. Now you're going to find where that decision can come from, from the lowest common denominator, the most capable level to handle that decision, and alarms. That alarm rings, that means there's a problem. Somebody's got to get on this right away. And whoever's handling that decision that went off with an alarm, you have to ask yourself three questions. What do I know with regard to the alarm? Who needs to know about this? Less people, the better sometimes. And have I told them? Most importantly, maybe I told them and they screwed this up. I got to do a better job in explaining. So three types of information are going to flow into command and control. Not control, sorry. See, I messed it up. 
I've been programmed to stay command and control ever since I started back in the wee days. 30, what was it? Do quick math. About 34, 35 years ago. So you want to uh, have those three uh, information flowing in in your command and feedback and your questions. When the alarm goes off, what do I know? Who needs to know? Have I told them? Very important. Another aspect is loyalty only counts when there is a hundred reasons not to be loyal. So loyalty doesn't mean anything until the rubber meets the road and then shit happens and now they're looking to see if you're loyal. Loyal builds teamwork. Loyalty goes a long way. Nobody said that loyalty meant being right. Loyalty sometimes means backing even those that are wrong. But after the event is over, we're going to teach those that are wrong what is right. Because you're loyal. So loyalty only counts when there is a hundred reasons not to be counted as loyal. There is nothing new under the sun. That's a biblical term, and that's something that has to be applied to command and feedback. There's no problem that's coming your way that has never happened ever before in your agency or any other agency. So you need to put your spin on it and stop screaming and carrying on like this never, ever happened. Build trust. Most important thing, if you don't build trust, if your troops don't really think that your leadership style is not trustworthy, you will put a knife in everybody's back. That's not good. Remember, the leader is everybody that has a position of leadership. So, there you go. All right, let's go. Let's get into the... The more aggressive stuff on command and control. Number, uh, let's not do numbers because you're gonna get. We're gonna get into the weeds if we start doing numbers. But here's a couple of things that you need in command and feedback. You need to train your people. They're not trained in these evolutions that you might be supervising in these events. Then it doesn't mean anything. Well, what Alpha? Give me an example. Well, let's say that you're using body cameras, right? And the command staff that is supervising this event have never had body-worn cameras when they were out in operations. And because of their current position, they're not using a body camera. That doesn't make them a very good supervisory source to manage that. So ego has to be eliminated of I'm in charge and I got two stars or three stars or how many stars there are. And we need to go back again to decentralizing the decision making to the lowest capable level to deal with that problem. Empowering your people. It's important. Okay. 
So we spoke about education, bringing them up to par. One area is creating a reading list. Sometimes there's reading lists for promotional exams. But this should be instituted in department's leadership, a standard of books they should be reading while they are in that leadership role in that agency. Whether they're 10 books or 20 or 30 that they need to read during their years in service as that leader, they should. And it should be reflected in their evaluation if they deem that they, I'm not going to do it. So I have free time. I'm just not going to do it. They don't pay me to read. You'll know because they won't be effective leaders. So maybe we should get rid of the leaders that are half-assing it. So creating an educational system on a forced reading list for your leadership is important. Those books that they have to read should be tools for their next promotional exam too. That'll throw you off, huh? So, uh, let's get into a little bit more clarity here. And that is, as a leader and part of the command and feedback operation, you have to have clear messages from the person that's running the show. They've got to give their intent of what they want, what they want to see. That has to be clear, clear to everybody. And those leaders need to go out and they need to get feedback on those orders, those directives, those objectives. And they have to be what's called clarified and confirmed. So don't say, hey, you understand what's going on? Yeah, 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 I got it. And you keep walking. Clarify and confirm. So in other words, they need to tell you how they understand the mission at hand. And once you have all that clear messages, you've clarified and confirmed, the orders have gotten, come down through the troops and the layers of supervision, you let them go and you let them perform at their specific level. Now we're cooking with gas, you know. So one of the things you want to avoid is doctrine. Now, doctrine is a very good thing. I had a supervisor many, many years ago that uh, wanted to quiz me on what I believe was doctrine. So I kind of told him what doctrine was, in my own opinion, sort of love institutional process that happens that works for the greater good of the organization. It becomes doctrine. You know, we just do it. But when you have a command and feedback operation, you just don't want to depend on doctrine. We do it that way because, you know, ever since Moses tied up the first uh, shorts on, on his ass, we've been doing it that way. So it's sometimes it's good, but sometimes you got to take the doctrine and push it out of the way because you have to have that flexibility in a situation which is fastly fastly 
evolving, rapidly moving, and things need to change. So I wouldn't rely too much on doctrine. All right, we're coming, we're coming closer to this command and feedback uh, committee. Here's a couple of things you're going to need uh, everybody to do that's on this command and feedback. All are leaders, regardless of your rank. Everyone that's in the command and feedback operation is a leader. That could even include an officer. Well, you're just an officer. Yeah, I'm just an officer. But at my, I might have to direct the civilian population. I am that leader. Oh, I might be the leader uh, of officers. I've got the most seniority. I should have the most experience. That makes me the capable leader. So everyone is a leader. Attitude is a weapon. If you have a piss-poor attitude, you can derail the entire operation. If your attitude isn't positive like everybody else's and what we're going to get accomplished, this will be a train wreck. Everyone needs to fill sandbags. Now, this is more of an expression, but filling sandbags is not very enjoyable. Right, so you take a bag and you start putting sand in it, and then you gotta secure the bag and tighten it up. It probably weighs twenty pounds, and shovel it over where the other bags are, and start just doing these endless sandbags forever and a day. Everyone, regardless of rank, why? Because ranking can get in the way of intelligence. So, everyone feels sandbags those that screw up need a little more hugs so they screwed up they're not up to par not everybody learns at the same rate of speed some people have the best hearts the greatest of intentions but it takes them a little longer to compute where they are in that specific time and how they need to evolve, react, and do the necessary operation. Doesn't mean that they're wrong. They just need some extra hugs. And what that basically is saying, to teach them how to cope and react a little faster. It's most important. When we talk about reactions, for example, we need a reaction where we look at animals, for example. Animals have a reaction towards danger, right? So you're a dog and you see a bigger dog coming at you. Well, that dog is either going to do one of two things. Run, flight, or fight. And the dog's reaction there is no, oh my God, should I call? I don't know what to do. They are going to be quick in that decision The in their animals because it's in their DNA. So you've got to react a lot faster. And sometimes those people, like I said, 
they need a little more hugs. Simplicity in planning is key. It will allow you three elements. Speed, surprise, security. Now, if you make a plan, so I remember once a chief approached the unit and said, somebody came up with this idea and they kind of wrote us a quick little memorandum on how we should do this procedure. And I've read it and I looked into it and I'm here, you know, evaluating it. And I, I think this idea is a good one. But I want to expand upon it a little bit more. Well, not to bore you to death, the one-page, half-page memo turned into 16 pages of dribble. And that's what you want to avoid. You want simplicity in that planning so more people absorb what's going on and they carry out those missions in the simplicity of it with speed, accuracy, right? That, that gives you speed. Surprise, you're going to surprise the bad guy and it's going to be secure security or securing the entire mission. No holes in it. So now I want to talk about something for you to have a better understanding of where we're going with this command and feedback. Orville Wright flew an airplane without a license. So if we would have gotten into the weeds, well, why is he behind the cockpit and should does he even have a license? Does he know what he's, the plane never would have flown? So sometimes we need to get out of the way so things can evolve. And that helps out the entire team. Making subordinates your equal. Now, this is not something that's very common, and many there are many leaders out there that say, I'm, you know, I'm a this and you're a that. And they, you know, they're into that democratic mind thinking of separating people by color, rank, uh, fat, skinny, you know, that kind of thing. And so placing all subordinates as your equal allows people to become more human in these decisions and understanding the total outcome of the operation. Engage your brain first before doing anything. So many times people talk out of turn. You ever see those, the ones that talk out of school and then everybody has a turn in the meetings go, what the hell did you just say? You know, the Joe Biden types. They forget to activate their brain. Here's another thing that I commonly see out on the road. You know, when you're really a prudent driver, you look and turn the vehicle, right? I'm going to make a left, look, and then I turn. But I usually see people that turn and then look as they're turning. They're not that prudent. So activate your brain first. And lastly, as we come towards the end, leaders' highest authority is a moral authority. 
right? So you're the leader of this entire thing. But your real power, your authority is that of a moral one. We got to do the right thing. Sometimes people want to cut corners and they want to justify it. But as it gets up to the higher authority, theirs is a moral one. Wait. I know it's faster doing it that way, but it's not the right thing to do. So remember that the leader, the higher they are, the more authority they have on that moral authority. And the number one power that a leader has is an exception. He or she that's in that position has the position to make exceptions to rules in an instant. So that helps a lot of leaders in law enforcement don't know that they have the power to make these exceptions. They all think, no, I, I, I can't. I could possibly do that has to come from uh, the chief and they sell themselves short and I'll I'll give you a story and this was many many moons ago in in the jail system where there was a standoff of sorts between the medical aspect of the jail facility and the security one or the law enforcement one and it was this was at the level of stupidity you know so there was an argument back and forth of what they needed medical and then the security aspect didn't agree with how that procedure was going to be done and a low level corporal that knew exactly how to act as a supervisor, as a leader, pointed his finger at medical and told them, get it through your thick skulls. What you're telling us is a recommendation. What I utter out of my mouth to my subordinates is an order. We listen to what you have to say and then we make the decision. Well, it started getting into higher and higher and higher rank. They, uh, on the medical side, eventually got to, I think, a director of nursing or something. And on the law enforcement side, it ended up, I believe, with a assistant director, which, which was mostly known as a captain. Uh, people referred to him as Captain Blank Blank, but he was really a three-star. But when he was a captain, he was uh, monumental, we'll just say. And he heard the arguments back and forth, and the corporal just uttered the same thing in his presence. And he said, you know what, corporate, you're 100% right. And that's what we're going to do today. And it became doctrine right after that. So sometimes the lowest common denominator of leadership can motivate the entire command on what's right. 
So there's a moral standard, but there's that exceptional standard that that person has authority to say, wait, 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 maybe we don't have to do that. Okay? It's like similar to taking a red light in a patrol car, right? Procedure says there has to be an emergency. You have to activate your lights. All those things are rules within your agency. But if the chief is sitting next to you and he says, "Uh, nobody's coming, take the light, we got to go, then you take the light. Because that exception is what's going to get things done better. So when we come up with a command and feedback, it is important, all these elements that I talked about, I can't just say command and feedback is this. You write down five or six things, and then you go back and develop them on your agency. Not going to work. You need to put everything in place that we just discussed today. So what's the difference between command and control? Command and control, they do that. They just control the situation through authority or force. And... They make it go their way. Command and feedback is actually working from the lowest the leadership uh, denominator to the highest, regardless of rank, getting that feedback back and forth up that chain to make it a doctrine so if it happens again, they know how to navigate through it. So the importance in command and feedback, and we're going to go back to the original list, that one of the items that I spoke about, the Mavericks, right? Remember the Mavericks? Those are those squad leaders. The Mavericks are the ones that you need to protect So when this command and feedback goes out on a given situation, the leader, the leader, not the leaders, the leader needs to have these mavericks out and about. They become the eyes and ears to the leader. They cut red tape immediately because they have access to the leader. And... It's not snitching, it's telling. So-and-so needs this done. They need this equipment like yesterday. The leader makes the call based on his mavericks and their feedback. It's important. Then the entire leadership element is notified of what occurred and as the mission continues in its journey so the mavericks are important to the leader and a combat and feedback committee council whatever you want to call it has to have mavericks they have to be out boots on the ground they have to be ears on the pavement reporting their feedback not interfering but reporting especially when they see 
things that are crucial that if they don't get them soon, the whole operation can go to doo-doo. So there's no magical wand in command and feedback. There's, what there is is a whole lot of work agencies have to do. And believe you me, we really need to get this done. It's getting old policing in, you know, 1940s. We need to, to bring it up a notch. So who created command and feedback? The United States Marine Corps. That's why I know it works. All these elements I just read, where do they come from? General Jim Mathis. There's where they came from. They called him chaos. That was his call signal that he got when he was a colonel, which was basically, colonel has another outstanding idea. But he adopted that call handle, chaos, and he was exceptional at leadership so no one can say command and feedback doesn't work it works it's proven it could be tweaked for your agency today it's up to you up next episode 265 October 27th reserve police force for America I have been screaming about this one Ever since Moses threw on those pair of shorts, how important these reserve police forces need to show up. I, yeah, there are almost none. And there's a shortage. Hello, McFly. Episode 265, Reserve Police Forces for America. All right, so we're going to zip in on our word of the week. And we have book of Matthews 7, 7, and it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open for you. As always, continue to pray for yourself, because without you, there's nothing. And test everything. Hold fast what is good. This is Alpha Mike, and I'm out of here.